Likutei Seichais, Chelik Yutes, Volume 19, the first Sicha for Parshas Vayelech. This is an analysis of the parallel between the two Parshiot, Nitzav and Vayelech, and yet, at the same time, the difference between the two. And likewise, it will be an analysis of the parallel between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, which really is one theme, yet the difference between the two meaning in where they actually differ one from another, and the great lesson that we can learn from it. So when it comes to Nitzavim Vayelech, these two parshiot, really it comes out that indeed they're really one parsha. And this is evident from the words of Rabbi Sadia Gohan. Rabbi Sadia Gohan says that indeed there are only 53 parshiot 53 parshiot in the entire Torah. However, he says, there is one parsha of these 53 that when there is a need, it gets split, it gets divided into two separate parshiot as we know them, as is the case this year, Nitzavim and Vayelech. You see, we conclude the Torah annually at the very same day. The anniversary I'm sorry, the day that we conclude the Torah is always on Simchat Torah. And being the way it is this year, the way Rosh Hashanah falls out in the middle of the week on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then Yom Kippur as it falls out on Thursday, therefore it comes out that we have a need of filling in one more Shabbat in order not to complete the Torah too early. And therefore, Nitzavim Vayelech gets separated. So says the Rebbe, we can understand from this, the fact that there are really one Parsha, there are really essentially one Parsha that gets divided, we can reach the following conclusions. Number one, as every Parsha has its main theme, it has its general theme. Although in every Parsha we find sometimes many parts, many different topics that are discussed, that are mentioned in a Parsha, but at the end of the day, every Parsha carries one wholesome, one holistic theme. So therefore it would follow that Nitzav and Vayelech, on the one hand, they are like one and the same. They have the same theme. However, the fact that they are divided, and when they are divided, which comes second, which comes latter, that is Vayelech, that would tell us, that indicates that Vayelech has something, a greatness even over Nitzavim. In other words, whatever this theme is, it takes it to the next level. Now, we know Nitzavim is always read on the Shabbat before Rosh Hashanah. Vayelech, however, when they're split, when do we read Vayelech? On the Shabbat preceding Yom Kippur. So this comes out that although Nitzavim and Vayelech essentially have the same theme, but yet within Nitzavim and Vayelech, Vayelech has more a connection to Yom Kippur than to Rosh Hashanah. And we find the same idea, the same, the same, the same, so to speak, concept in Rosh Hashanah and Kippur themselves. On the one hand, Rosh Hashanah and Kippur is essentially the same thing. In fact, in some of the prophets, there are certain verses there that refer to Yom Kippur and call it Rosh Hashanah. In other words, it's really essentially the same thing. 
What is it? It's making Hashem king. It's coronating Hashem as king. It's announcing Hashem as king. And we find that from the beginning of Rosh Hashanah until the end of Yom Kippur, we have many customs that indicate this very particular point, that we are coronating Hashem as king. Throughout the 10 days, the Aseret made Shuvah, the 10 days of repentance, which begin at Rosh Hashanah and culminate with Yom Kippur, we say HaMelech HaKadosh, we refer to Hashem constantly and overly again and again as the king, the king, the king, and there is a one common thrust, so to speak, one common point in these days. That's on the one hand. On the other hand, however, we do see that Yom Kippur is greater than Rosh Hashanah in some ways. Number one, something we quote in the prayers of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, we, in the, in the um, special liturgy of Unesana Tokef, we say, that on Rosh Hashanah they're only inscribed, they're only written. But on Yom Kippur it gets sealed. So you see Yom Kippur is stronger. That's number one. Another thing, when they practiced the Jubilee year, this is way back in ancient Jewish history, when the Jubilee was in effect, what would happen? On the 50th year, it says all the slaves, all the servants had to go back. They went free. They went back to their you know, home. All the ancestral land returned back to its owners. The way it worked is in, in the beginning of the 50th year, meaning as soon as the 50th year was ushered in, and when is that on Rosh Hashanah, all their work, all their enslavement, so to speak, was suspended but they were not yet full-fledged, fully-fledged, freed people until Yom Kippur. At Yom Kippur, when they sounded the shofar, that's when they all went home, that's when they had a right, and were totally and absolutely free. So you see that the power of Yom Kippur, although it's parallel to, to Rosh Hashanah, yet it has something over Rosh Hashanah, it is greater than Rosh Hashanah. Now let's look at Nitzav and Vayelech, and let's look at their connection to Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur in particular. Remember in Nitzavim, what does it say? Nitzavim says, you are gathered all together. There is a unity. There is a theme of unity. Moshe says to the Jewish people, Atem Nitzavim, Ayom Kulchem, all of you, Lifnei Hashem Elokeichem, before Hashem your God. And this is consistent with what takes place on Rosh Hashanah. Because on Rosh Hashanah we coronate Hashem as king, so as the verse says that when is when is he when is he when is he Hashem um, um, become king? When all the people gather together. So when there is a unity, that's when you're able to have the king. That is in the parsha of Nitzavim, and there it makes sense that it's connected to Rosh Hashanah, and that's why we always read it in the Shabbos and the Shabbat preceding Rosh Hashanah. However, in Vayelech. We also find this theme of unity. We find this in, first of all, when it says, Vayelech Moshe, and Moshe went, El Kol Yisrael, to all of Israel. The verse emphasizes, it stresses the fact that he didn't just go speak to the Jews, he spoke to all the Jews. So there's already a unity here. And then later again, it repeats and it says, and he spoke to the ears of all of the entire congregation, of the Jewish people. So again, it emphasizes this idea of unity. However, there is even a greater emphasis of unity 
in Vayelech a step further. And that is in the two mitzvot that are mentioned, that are discussed in this parsha, the parsha of Vayelech. And that is number one, the mitzvah of Hakel. Hakel is the gathering that they would have to gather all Jews. And when I say all Jews, as the Torah specifies, Ha'anashim, Vahanashim, Vahataf, the men, the women, even the children, even the babies, the infants, and all you converts, all the proselytes, everybody had to gather to Yerushalayim on the Sukkot preceding the year of Shemitah, the sabbatical year. And they had to gather together in order to hear a reading of the Torah from the king, as we'll soon go into detail. So you see already, this has a theme of bringing everybody together. Then, and what happened there? The king, as I said, read the Torah for them. And of course, over here, we take a pause for a moment. Why would the king be the one designated to read the Torah? If it's about reading the Torah, shouldn't it be more fitting that the, the greatest teacher or perhaps the leader of the Sanhedrin, the, the chief justice, should be the one to teach Torah? After all, it's about Torah. And the answer is no. Hashem specifically designated the king as the one to read the Torah. Why? Because over here the emphasis was not on learning. It was not on understanding and comprehension. In that case, if it was about learning and comprehension, there there's already a division. There there's already a distinction between one person and the other, between infants and adults, between men and women. And within men, there's a difference between those who have a better capacity of understanding and those who have a lesser capacity of understanding. Over here, it was about reading. Reading and just hearing it, just absorbing it through their ears. That is an absolute unity. When it comes to the level of reading the Torah, this aspect of absorption of Torah, in this everybody's equal. Because as long as your ears are working, as long as you hear the words, you've absorbed the words of Torah. And this is, this is the emphasis over here. And this is why they had the king read it. Because the king is one who unites the entire people. Their subservience to the king is also one which is an absolute one which has no connection to comprehension and understanding. It's a subservience. And likewise over here, it wasn't about comprehension and understanding. It was just the unity of the people unifying together through the listening of the words of Torah. That's one mitzvah in the Parshas Vayelach. Another mitzvah, the second mitzvah, is the mitzvah of writing a Sefer Torah. The obligation for each and every Jew to be part of the writing of a Torah. Here, once again, it's not about the studying of Torah. That's a totally separate mitzvah. There already, there's a great distinction between the scholar and the simpleton, between the man and the woman, between the adult and the child. In writing a Torah, in just being connected to a Torah, just plain words, that everybody could have equal connection. Now, we'll take a closer look at Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, and see how this distinction also plays out in Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. As we mentioned before, from the beginning of Rosh Hashanah until the end, all the way through Yom Kippur, what is the theme? What is the common purpose? We are making Hashem king. We are coronating Hashem as king. And from this aspect, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur are really the same. However, there is a great difference between Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, and without getting too Kabbalistic, but the way it's explained, the way it's described, Rosh Hashanah 
is more connected, so to speak, to the soul. As the soul and as matters play out in the Olamot Elyonim, so to speak, in the upper worlds. Meaning, what happens at Rosh Hashanah is, over there, where it's, what it's meant to affect is to trigger, so to speak, a desire within the essence of Hashem Himself to want to be king. Notice the word, a desire within the essence of Hashem, meaning Hashem as He is totally abstract and removed from the world, over there to give like a trigger. And who has the power to do it? It's the soul, as the soul plays a role up there in the upper worlds. Whereas Yom Kippur already is after the whole process, and after it's been, quote-unquote, quote developed, built up, from the very first day of Rosh Hashanah, going through the, all the nine days of the ten days of repentance, and finally coming to the tenth day, where it totally manifests itself, so to speak, in a revealed manner, down here, in plain simple words, and here is where we bring Hashem to be king, down here in this world. So, in play, in, 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 to, to summarize, Rosh Hashanah is more connected, so to speak, to the abstract, to the nishama and to matters as they play a role in the upper worlds. Here, I'm sorry, Yom Kippur is more as is 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 more as, as this matter is developed and evolves and comes down in a more tangible, realistic in our world in our realm, down here in this world. And we also see a difference in some of the practices and some of the aspects of Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, and now we'll have a better appreciation how they play out. You see, first of all, let's look at the theme of unity. Rosh Hashanah, the unity of Rosh Hashanah is fantastic. We all come together, there's a unity. But if you think about it, since Rosh Hashanah is more focused and, and, it's, and, and it's connected more to, the, to the, the, the aspect of the soul and how the soul plays a role up there in the upper worlds and there triggers, so to speak, a desire in Hashem, in the essence of God, to want to be king, that, although it's a great thing, but it's not a novelty. It's not earth-shattering. The fact that the souls are all unified in their source, to quote the Kabbalah, that's a given. That's obvious. There's no division up there. Over there, they're all before Hashem. They're all connected. There, there this is not a, a, you know, a matter, a news item to say, wow, look at this. The souls are all connected. That is inherent. That's the way it should be. However, when we're down here, as we evolve and come down into a world of division, as the soul is playing a role more, quote, down here, which is more the aspect of Yom Kippur, over here, on Yom Kippur, to come together, all with a common cause, and that there be a unity, now that is a novelty, that is newsworthy, that is something special. And in this aspect we can understand already how Yom Kippur is greater than Rosh Hashanah. And this will also help us understand some matters of, like I said before, some matters of custom and, 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 and practice in which Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur differ. If you notice, if you look at the prayer book on Rosh Hashanah, in fact, you're not allowed to in any way mention sin. We, we, we do not mention any sin. There's no confession on Rosh Hashanah. Even, for example, on the Avinu Malkeinu, you'll see it says, omit this one on Rosh Hashanah. We don't say, Avinu Malkeinu Chatanu Lufanecha, we sin before you. We don't mention any sin. Whereas on Yom Kippur, 
we constantly, non-stop, do the confessional and mention the sin and ask for forgiveness and ask for atonement. Why the difference? Because on Rosh Hashanah, because it's more connected to the soul, as the soul is there, over there, sin doesn't play a role. This is The soul is totally removed from this realm, from the realm in which we, God forbid, could get somewhat soiled with sin. Whereas Yom Kippur is connected as that the soul is connected down here, as it already plays a role, as it manifests itself into this real world that we live in, and this to the tangible world that we're in, in which sadly, unfortunately, sometimes we can get swept up in things that we're not supposed to. Over here, we, A, need an atonement, and this is the power of Yom Kippur that it can bring us an atonement even down here in this, so to speak, filthy, dirty place that we're in. And this brings us to another point. On Yom Kippur, before we start the services, before we start Kol Nidre, what do we do? We take out the Torahs, we form a Bezdin, literally a, a court, a power of, of, of a judicial court, and we announce that with this power, the power of this court, we announce that we are now allowing for it and making it possible to pray even with sinners. So where are the sinners on Rosh Hashanah? We don't say this on Rosh Hashanah. We make this declaration on Rosh Hashanah. And the reason for it is because on Rosh Hashanah, sadly, so to speak, the sinners don't have a way of connecting because we're so high, we're so aloof that that sin, A, doesn't play a role. But if it's there, if it's prevalent, then it's not connected because how does sin connect to something so high, so lofty, so abstract? But on Yom Kippur, where we're dealing with, so to speak, the Mata, the here, down here, now, yes, there's a reality. There are those maybe perhaps who have sinned, but we're including everybody. We're making it permissible for everybody to come together. Everybody, as we play a role down here, all of us together get together to pray. So this is a number two, a second difference here in Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. And now, there's another difference in Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Where in Yom Kippur, you really see this theme of unity. This is the point we're making being taken to the next level. You see, on Yom Kippur, what is really the observance of Yom Kippur? There's the five things we're not allowed to do. Mainly not allowed to eat, not allowed to bathe, and so on and so forth. Right? In these things, it's, a ne- it's, like, a, it's like a negative observance. In other words, do not do this. Everybody performs it equally. Everybody is equal. In the not eating, there is no difference between the greatest tzaddik and the simpleton. Everybody equally doesn't eat. You observe it the same way. Whereas on Rosh Hashanah, where the observance already has some expression. Moreover, in, the, in between the times of prayer and listening to the shofar, there's a lot of, so to, so to speak, free time. In which, what does one do? One eats the festive meal. One tries to study. One tries to say recite psalms. In this already, there are varying levels from one extreme to another. There is so much difference between one Jew and another. Not everybody is the same. Not everybody will take advantage of this time properly and in the proper holy manner. Some people maybe will will you know somewhat lose the holiness that shine, that vigor of Rosh Hashanah, and some people will retain it throughout the 24 hours a day of, of both days of Rosh Hashanah. Whereas on Yom Kippur, every single moment, everybody equally has the same manner of observance, the same obligation, the same, so to speak, 
mode of observance applies to everyone equally. So over there you see the tremendous uh, idea of, of uh, I mean, the tremendous level of unity that plays a role in Yom Kippur over that of Rosh Hashanah. Now when we take a look at Nitzavim Vayelech, we go back, we'll see this again. In Nitzavim, remember, what did Moshe say? Atem Nitzavim Hayom, you are standing today. Lifnei Hashem Elokeichem. Before Hashem you God. In other words, this is how, so to speak, the souls be stand all together before Hashem. Before Hashem, meaning in His presence. So in that sense, there's a unity. Fantastic. But that's because the souls have been, so to speak, elevated out of their you know, lowly realm that they usually find themselves when they're in the bodies down here where there's a lot of differences and a lot of discord and a lot of separation. But in Vayelech, in the next Parsha, in the second half of this one Parsha, what do we have? It says Moshe went, he went to them. What does that mean? He went to them. Went means like he has to go out. It's not like he elevated them to a high level. He came down to where they were. And there he affected the unity. There is where he made them all come together. There is where he spoke to all of them. So this it brings out how the unity is even greater. Again, remember, when you take separate parts and you're able to unify them, that's a greater accomplishment than something that's inherently one. That's 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 just one by that's one by default. You know, the Nishamot being in a higher realm or being quote Lifne Hashem Elokeichem before Hashem your God, there it's by default that they're all together. There it's by default that they're all unified. But for the Nishamot to be unified as they're down here in this world, now that is and a great accomplishment. And that is how now we can appreciate the connection, the direct or more direct connection between Vayelech and Yom Kippur versus Nitzavim to Rosh Hashanah. What is the lesson for us from all of this? So it's obvious that beginning with Rosh Hashanah, one has to endeavor to bring about unity between the Jewish people, to unify ourselves with all Jews. And the, the, the closer we get, the more we go towards Yom Kippur, that has to intensify. We have to build up our sense of unity and love for each other in order to fully accomplish the impact of what Yom Kippur is about. And if you think of it, think of it in this way. You know, you say, if you're unified and you love your fellow Jew, how can there be different levels? Well, think about it. There is an aspect where you love your fellow Jew, where you try to see only the good. That's fantastic. And then there's a unity. Think of it like Rosh Hashanah. You're coming from a place that's really good. And if you just focus on just seeing the good and not seeing the bad, you're unified. But what happens if you do get a glimpse of the bad? What happens if you do see the bad in the other two? It's so blatant and so obvious that you can't avoid it. You can't look the other way. Now that makes it difficult to have unity. That's where the unity aspect of Ayelech, that's where the unity aspect of Yom Kippur comes into play. Where you say, even when you see the bad in the other person, even when it's so obvious and clear the other person is deficient, still there's a sense of unity and there's a sense of Ahabat Yisrael, you love your fellow Jew.